do this. You have a wife. You should go to her. Jesus, Rachel. This is it. This is all there is. I feel like it's slipping through my fingers like a handful of sand. This is it. This is all there is. That's just an excuse for bad behavior. You don't really believe that. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of A Thing Like That, a podcast about Mad Men. Nailed it. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Mike Levito. And I'm your host, Kathleen Levito. And we're here to talk about some Mad Men. Uh, men who are mad. Yes, very specifically the episode Long Weekend. Kathleen, do you have any thoughts about, any, any first thoughts, first impressions, things to say about Long Weekend? This is one of the ones that I remembered from the first season. Yeah. Like, I feel like this is one of the ones that stick, and it's like a, it's like called Long Weekend. This like episode's like a saga. It is. I feel so much happens. It just lasts forever. And like, not in a bad way. Mm. But it's just, when it ends, you're just like, wait, how long have we been watching this for? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I I don't know if it's one of my favorite episodes, but I think it's an important one. Because it's one, I feel like we've said about like the first, this is like the 10th episode, is the 10th episode. We said about like the first nine, it's like, oh, it's a lot of table setting and setting stuff up. Whereas I feel like this is when stuff starts to actually yeah. happen. And conflict begins to more substantially arise. Uh, so let's talk about it. Long weekend... Uh, directed by Tim Hunter, written by Matthew Weiner, Bridget Bedard, Andre Jacquemet, and Maria Jacquemet, and Matthew Weiner. I already said that. Um, all right, let's talk about what happens in it. Uh, Grandpa Jean and Aunt Gloria, they're in Austin in New York. They're ready to go down to Cape May for Labor Day weekend, um, which upsets Betty a bit because she really doesn't like Aunt Gloria. Um, she complains to Don. Um, that you know her her father she's unhappy that her father is with a woman so close after her mother's death she calls her a vulture and she calls the relationship unseemly um and uh, betty asked don to go down the shore with them that day even though he's going later the weekend because he can't he has to go to work uh sterling cooper the team is watching the kennedy 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 ad um and they watch their much duller ad for nixon I debate strategy and the images of the two candidates. Don's like Nixon's Nixon's us. He's the working man, whereas Pete and some of the younger viewers like, nah, he's boring. He's gonna lose. Um, Margaret and Mona, Roger's wife and daughter, are gone for the weekend. So Roger tries to get Joan to go out with him because all the wives are out of town and no one will see them. Um, she kind of doesn't want to. They discuss the apartment. Um, the movie The Apartment, and Joan makes clear her displeasure with her and Roger's relationship. Um, Sterling Cooper and Menkins meet again, which is the first time Donna's seen Rachel since they kissed on the Menkins roof. They're discussing plans to modernize the Menkins department store. Ed Menken um, has been sold on it, but he is very sort of like where to do so at first. Joan's roommate Carol shows up and reveals that she's been fired after covering for her boss's mistake. Joan insists she and Carol go out after work to meet some fellas and take their mind off of that. I don't know why I wrote fellas. <laughs> Probably because I was tired of writing men. Pete uh, and Peggy have a tense conversation about their relationship. Uh, Pete tells Don that they lost the Dr. Scholl's account, which upsets Don, who goes to tell Roger, who's a bit more chipper about it. Um, despite Don's pr- protestations that he has to drive down to Cape May, Roger insists they pick up women at the casting call for Deborah Sided Aluminum at Sterling Cooper. They go to the casting call, pick out Eleanor and Mirabelle instead of twins, um, basically tell them to get the part bring them upstairs for a celebratory drink Roger gets real creepy with them Don's clearly not interested in what's going on at all 
Um, he and Eleanor wait outside while Roger and Mirabelle do their thing. Eventually, Roger has a heart attack, and EMT, EMTs come to pick him up. Roger ends up in the hospital and talks to Don. Roger asks Don about the existence of a soul and laments the Bodger's lifestyle. Mona comes in. Roger begins to sob. Don leaves, calls Betty from the hospital, who offers to go back to New York and complains about Gloria again. Don says she's staying in Cape May. Um, Pete shows up at the hospital. He and Don see Kennedy out attacking next thing on TV. Meanwhile, because <laughs> so much happens in this, uh, as Joan and Carol prepare to go out, Carol confesses her love for Joan, which Joan ignores. They find two dudes, or a dude this time, bring them <laughs> back to their apartment. They start to hook up, but eventually Joan gets uh, called to Sterling Cooper by Bert, who tells her about Roger and dictates a letter about it. Uh, to the, Dictates a letter to be sent to the clients for Joan to type. She gets all teary-eyed as he's doing this. is actually a very cool scene. Cool. It's an affecting scene. Uh, Don shows up Rachel's apartment, very distraught, probably kind of drunk. They kiss. Don talks about being close to death. They kiss again. They make love. Afterwards, Don tells Rachel about his mother, that his mother also died in childbirth, um, and that she was a prostitute, and that he was raised by his father and his mother's wife. And he looks like he's going to weep. She kisses him. Finn. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the marathon is finished. Yes. Uh, so what's what's the theme of this episode, Kathleen? The passage of time. Do you want to take a crack at that first, or should I? I think you should. Okay. <laughs> Just because, uh... <laughs> so, I, I think this episode is really about people having difficulty dealing with change, um, both change they can't control and change they can't, and trying to hold on to what they once had, and basically being uncomfortable with the changing times and the passage of time. I think we see this first with Betty, who is still very much fixated on the death of her mother. Um, her father has moved on, perhaps a little too quickly, um, but that really bothers Betty. The idea that someone can move on so quickly from such a tragic thing shakes her and she doesn't like it at all. Uh, she doesn't think enough time has passed for her mother to start seeing someone else. Um, meanwhile, time has passed the Nixon campaign by. Um, they're being outshone by like the flash and exciting, exciting John F. Kennedy, and Don's whole idea of Nixon, that he's a man of the people because he served in the Navy, he served in World War II, um, he's just kind of a regular guy, and that that will be enough is being eclipsed by the TV as well, right? Kennedy's a celebrity, and people don't want the sort of everyman anymore. They want, you know, they want to aspire to somebody not be the same person as them, and that's what kind of sells Kennedy to the mass audience. Um, of course, talking about Menkins, Ed Menken, Abe Menken, the owner of Menkins, on the one hand, he, he tries to make the argument that he is very much, you know, sort of ahead of and with the times, not afraid of change, because his daughter is sort of second in command, or runs the store, basically. Um, but he's also not really uh, sold on the idea of modernizing his store. He actually says, you know, why, why would I turn this into a place I don't want to shop in? Don's like, you know, you'll talk about the hard old days and your kids are just not going to care. We need, a, we need to make this modern or else it's going to go under. Um, uh, Roger, this whole episode, he's trying to hold on to his youth. He, t um, you know, he, he's trying to make. He's, I don't know, so he's in his fifties or whatever. He's trying to sort of. Roger's like ageless. <laughs> Can we just pause and talk about that for a second? This man has no age. Yeah. It's very, very unclear. Like how I imagine he's supposed to be in his fifties because his daughter is like eighteen. Right, something around that. Yeah. So John Slattery is born. Well, we can find the birth date for Roger Sterling. But uh, my point is, is that you know he, and once he does have a heart attack, right, he sort of laments that so much time has passed with him being kind of irresponsible and debaucherous, and that he's lost a lot of time in that regard. 
I cannot find Roger Sterling's birthday. Well, he's a World War II veteran. That doesn't help me either. Well, assume that he <laughs> was 18 at world, the start of World War II. Well, let's do it. So, John Slattery was born in 1962. The show came out in 2007. So, he would have been 45 at the time the show aired. So, he's probably about 45. Yeah. Between 45 and 50, I would say. Yeah. Point is, he's trying to keep on to his youth. And uh, he's in denial about getting older. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, and Don's whole thing with Rachel, right? He goes and he talks about how he feels like time is slipping like sand through his fingers. And like, well, like this is right here and right now. Um, Roger's whole near-death experience forces Don to confront that he himself is running out of time. And he's in this very unsatisfying relationship in this only so satisfying career and he, he he's kind of worried about you know what what he has left and what he has to do um and really time sort of dealing with the the, the smaller storylines uh, time has changed the relationship between roger and joan pete and peggy and joan and carol right um joan has come to see her relationship with roger not as this sort of like fun dangerous fling but as something sort of like demeaning and mm -hmm. and not really fulfilling for her and it's not and she's spent a lot of time pleasing him he hasn't really spent a lot of time pleasing her um pete and peggy the same thing has happened right peggy's like i, I don't know like she 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 says it's like i can't tell if you're being nice to me or mean to me or what and just you know it, it's again it's no longer fun for her and all that you're going to say something just let's talk about Peggy's character in that. I'm gonna say a great role model by being like, I don't know what the fuck you're doing. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you're ever in a situation where you don't know what the fuck someone's doing, call them out on it. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Peggy. <laughs> yeah, true. And then time has changed the relationship between Joan and Carol as well. Um, Carol's wasted a lot of time not expressing her feelings yeah. for Joan. Um, and that kind of lets Joan just kind of ignore it and brush it away, even though she remains an ever-present part of Carol's life. Yeah. Yeah. And, and anything Carol's about it? Carol's a little creepy. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> it's not like, you know... It's like, it's not like... Because the way that they, like... I'm sure that they've been good friends for a while, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But the way that Carol delivers her, like, speech... Is not like oh you know you know I got became good friends to, with you because and it was so exciting when we moved up to the city together and all that stuff. It's like oh I heard you were going to the city so I went too. Mm -hmm. I heard you needed a roommate so I showed up. It's a little yeah. creepy. She's basically I just followed you all over the place because yeah. I'm in love with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any other thoughts on this episode? Let me think. There's a lot of creepy people in this episode. <laughs> there is. Like, Roger's creepy. Mm -hmm. Pete's always creepy. Um, Carol's slightly creepy. Um, I would even say the twins are creepy, to a certain extent. Uh, not just because they're twins. <laughs> Let's be really clear about yeah, that. Yeah. Um, what else? Who else is creepy? I think that... You know, the passage of time makes people creepy, is what this is about. Um, yeah. Oh, well, uh, we'll go on. Oh, I'll save this for the, like, spoiler section. Okay. Um, yeah, I think, I, this is a weird, it's interesting, because, like, I was doing research for this episode, and, like, I read the Matt Zlor Sites book about it, 
and usually he's pretty good at like he never really says like this is the theme but like he communicates like oh this is like the theme in a much more eloquent way um he never really does that for this episode he's literally just like this is a very long homage to billy wilder movies um which is apparently like a primary uh influence on mad men um and he's like this is just kind of because like long weekend is a billy wilder movie mm-hmm. the apartment is a billy wilder movie it's all kind of there um so yeah it's just it, this is like a it's, i feel like this is a very plot heavy episode and it's the themes are there but it's not as like i don't feel like it permeates throughout the rest of the episode as much as like other episodes yeah. does. um i do like this episode though it's not like bad it's just like I, the the one thing that bothers me and this is a weird thing is like when Roger's having the heart attack, they can clearly tell he's not having a heart attack, which because he's an actor, obviously. But there's something about it that's just, and I love John Slattery as an actor. But there's something about it where he's just like, this is clearly a dude is lying on his back, pretending like he can't get up, and I just found that very distracting. Like both times I've watched this episode, I don't know why. I didn't think about that. It's just, it, to me, it's just like one of those like this is like. I was more like shocked by how awkward that would be. <laughs> To just, like, someone, like, that you're getting with just suddenly starts having a heart attack and you're like, yeah. I don't know who this person really is. I don't know what to do. Yeah, right. This is so... I'm, like, not sober. This is really awkward. Yeah. Um, so, I had a little secondhand um, embarrassment there. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh yeah. Do you want to move on to our awards? Yeah, let's do our awards. So the Pete Campbell Memorial Worst of the Week. Who, uh... Roger. Yeah, definitely. Roger is my favorite character, I think, mm-hmm. in all of Mad Men, but this episode I cannot deal yeah. with Yeah, yeah. Um, he's creeping on the twins. He basically asked them to kiss, which yeah. is weird. Um, he, he just kind of, like, pulls Don away from his family obligation, which... Don's an adult and yeah. should just be like, no. But at the same time, like... <laughs> Clearly Don didn't want to be there. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, the one thing, I, there's, there's like a weird running theme of like milk in this episode. Did you notice this? No. So, um, Roger, he's shown like earlier in the series drinking a lot of milk um, and stuff. And he says later when he has the heart attack that, you know, he had an ulcer, and he's like, he's like, I did everything they told me to do, he's like, I dr- he's like, I drank the cream, I ate the butter, and it's like, well, maybe that's why he had yeah. a heart attack. Um, so there's that, and he, re- he describes one of the twins' skin as like, I think he described it like as like cream or milky or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, and this ties into my Roger Sterling best line of the week, which is not delivered by Roger Sterling, but I'm stalling because I'm trying to find the exact wording of it. Um, so that's why I'm talking about it. But it's basically when, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll just, I'll just, uh, I'm, I'm surprised that I cannot find this. Um, let me see here. I'm going to have to cut a lot of this out. That's fine. I'll entertain everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, Something that really bothered me in this episode was when you see all the twins waiting to, you know, do the commercial for the, whatever, the aluminum Double-sided foil. Double-sided aluminum. Double-sided aluminum foil. 
Um, I think like every pair is wearing matching dresses except one. Mm. They're wearing like the same color dress, which I get because you know not everybody owns matching dresses. But I was like, if you're gonna commit to the matching dress shtick, commit to the matching dress shtick. Not not the tw- that pair of twins, but like the the costume department of Mad Men. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sick I was like, like theme. make it comical. Yeah, sorry about that. It's Hold fine. on. I'm going to find this quote. I'm just going to go back to the episode itself and like put on closed captioning. Um, yeah, that was weird. You'd think they'd be more on top of that. But uh, I guess not. I also love that when Joan brings one of... One, the guys that Joan and... What is her name? Carol? Yeah. Brought home were like... Not Joan quality. All I'm gonna no, say. No, they weren't. Not Roger Sterling. And I think Burr Cooper literally says, like, you could do better. Yeah. And she could. Yeah. Um, but when she, like, brings that one guy into her bedroom, she gets him in there by saying, like, oh, I have a light bulb that needs changing. Can you look at it for me? Yeah. I was like, yeah. Like, <laughs> that's, like, the, the lowest effort household chore. It is. Yeah. And she's, like, pretty tall, too. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it's I almost got it. Okay. I think you know what code it is too. I hope I do. Um, <laughs> so this kink. So okay, Rogers. Cut. Okay, let's go back to okay. Action now. Um, <laughs> the uh, Roger Sterling Moro best quote of the week. Um, Ken is hitting on two of the actresses um, who are for double sided aluminum, and he goes, "My neighbors growing up had a dairy, and one of the cows gave birth to two calves that were attached at the back. <laughs> then they cut them apart, but they always wanted to be together. Is that what happened for you two? <laughs> <laughs> So that's more milk in this episode. Um, yeah, it took me a long time to find that quote because I forgot to write it down when I was initially doing the notes for this episode. But uh, I'm glad we found it because it's a great one. It's a great quote. <laughs> All right, we're ready to move on to foreshadowing. Yeah. things that like fall through hmm. does that work maybe so like <laughs> we never see carol again no right we never mm. see carol again um um roger doesn't actually learn no it's not foreshadowing it's just things that i'm just like oh this is comical i wanted the carol storyline to be more integrated mm-hmm. I thought that would have been fun yeah. Do we? The only, we, the only gay representation we have is Sal. Well, and later on, Bob. Bob Benson, not great, Bob. That Bob. Oh yeah. Yeah. How did I forget Bob Benson? Yeah, never. And uh, the Peggy's friend, like Zoisha, she's played by what's her name? Zoisha Nanette. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The girl from Girls. Okay, never mind. Yeah. I, I misspoke. And Schmitty, um, or Smitty, one of the two Smiths, oh, the German guy. Oh, yeah. yeah. So there are a couple. Okay, never mind. Just <laughs> cut that out. But, it, that, but that's like, no, that's like kind of foreshadowing is like these gay characters who yeah. are some, that's like, you. it's interesting, right? Because you have the ones who are like clearly sort of closeted and the ones who aren't. Um, we get a mention of Howard Johnson's uh, Anglory and Grandpa Jean. Um, she's like, oh, like, you know, we picked something up at Howard Johnson's, whatever. Um, Howard Johnson's is the chain that, that, that Don and Megan go to, like, sort of check out, um, and which Don kind of abandons Megan, yeah. and then Megan, like, hitchhikes back to New York, and it's a whole thing. Um, this is our first appearance of Grandpa Jean, who ended up playing a, a big role, certainly in Sally's storyline. And uh, some of the others. And there will be genes later to come. Yes, yes. Oh, right, yeah. And there will then be baby gene. Um, Betty talked about how Gloria's father cheated on his income taxes. Uh, Lane's tax troubles, mm-hmm. who the character's not even introduced yet, um, will end up leading to his embezzlement from Sterling Cooper, Draper Price, and then his eventual suicide. Um, when... Uh, What's his name? Roger's talking. He insults Chicago for some reason. He goes, I'm sorry, maybe you're from there. Because he doesn't know where Don's from. Yeah. Don, I believe, he's supposed to be born in Illinois, but then moves to Pennsylvania. Um, as when when, Peg, when Pete sort of intercepts Peggy and she's carrying some copy, he goes, oh, what you got there? Carrying some precious cargo? She's carrying your mm-hmm. kid, dude. Um, Mirabel talks about how she rides horses. Betty rides horses, and that will be added to more drama. I forgot that that's a whole thing. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, And when Roger's sitting in the hospital bed, he asks Donnie, he's like, do you believe in energy um, and the soul and all this? And that's kind of presages this, his, Roger's sort of foray into, like, this new AG philosophy when he takes acid with Jane Sterling. Mm -hmm. And then he ends up taking those a couple more times. And and also sort of his family, like, and then his daughter becomes, joins this, like, hippie cult. Yeah. A whole bunch of stuff that is sort of like Rogers ends up integrating the sort of, like, hedonistic aspects of the, the sort of sexual revolution and all of that into his life. Um, so, yeah, he really doesn't change much, does no, he? <laughs> okay. Um, also, I don't know, I'm not going to mention it because I don't know where this is from. But I, ha- I wrote down, you don't have anything like Don. I think Don tells somebody he- they don't have anything, but then Don doesn't either. I'm, 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 oh, I know what you're talking about, but I don't know what you're talking about. I feel like he tells Abe Mankin that or something. I don't actually remember, though. Oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, that's it for spoilers. Um, any final thoughts on this episode? Mm, no. The only thing I would say is uh, to go with the Billy Wilder thing. Like, I watched The Apartment, which I believe is streaming on Amazon Prime. I'm going to watch it um, later. It's good. One Best Picture in 1960, um, starring Jack Lemmon and Shirley MacLaine. I was just listening to a podcast where they're talking about Jack Lemmon because oh. they're talking about Sun Like a Hot. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and so Billy Wilder also directed Sun Like a Hot. Oh. Billy Wilder... Did Some Like It Hot, Double Indemnity, The Apartment, um, Ace in the Hole, and there's like one... Long Weekend? Long Weekend, yeah. So he won Best Picture twice. Uh, 
For what? Long, Long weekend? weekend in the apartment. Um, yeah, and the, the only like the only Billy Wilder movies I've seen are I've seen parts of Some Like It Hot and then The Apartment and Double and Dumb in the End, Irma LaDuce, which is one like not like a as not considered as like seminal one, but it's also as Jack Lemmon's Roman McLean. But it's interesting to watch The Apartment because it is very much you can very clearly see the influence of the Mad Men, where like the office looks kind of similar. Um, you know, it's about a Jordan McLean plays an elevator operator who has a relationship with like one of the executives there. Um, and the whole plot is that like Jack Lemmon plays this single dude who like rents out his apartment to executives to have trysts with like mm-hmm. um, their uh, their paramours. Um, and so it's it's very Mad Men, like the way he sort of critiques that whole. Um, thing is so I would recommend if you like Mad Men to go watch some Billy Wilder movies specifically The Apartment oh he also did Sunset Boulevard I love Sunset Boulevard Sunset Boulevard is so good um, watch Sunset Boulevard too even though that's nothing to, no not really that similar to Mad Men okay, um, okay. Uh, that's all I have anything else that's all I got cool thanks for listening to a thing like that podcast about Mad Men I think this was our shortest episode ever probably um, yeah it's like 25 minutes anyway uh, I'm Mike Levito. You can follow me on Twitter at mlevito, Letterbox at Ameramike. I'm Kathleen Levito. You can follow me on Instagram at Rise to the Sun, Poetry Every Day, Prose Every Now and Again. Follow us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, um, Google Podcast. We, on like the stuff that isn't SoundCloud, our episodes are all out of order, so I'm probably going to have to take some off and then put them back on. Um, so if that's been a problem for you, just know that I, I hear your thoughts. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix it. Um, we also have another podcast called The Real Life Oscar Challenge with my roommate Lars. Um, <laughs> I, I wish it was called The Real Life Oscar Challenge with my roommate Lars. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was, I like, uh, I'm not going to get into it. Um, but I, I, so there's a show I, I, I think you should leave with Tim Robinson. And I saw Tim Robinson interviewed on, like, Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel was like, is it, I think you should leave with Tim Robinson, or I think you should leave with Tim Robinson. Um, anyway. <laughs> uh, we also, uh, the post writer, we contribute to that. Go on there. Um, good stuff. Follow the post writer on Twitter and Facebook. That's, uh, that's all I got. That? Cool. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Drink your milk. Bye.